0: Listen for the wisdom of these words. The church is a body. May this body breathe and be together in the spirit of hope. May it feel held by comfort. Those who seek consolation, may they find it in the solace of this moment. The church is a body. It is as strong as all the people who have ever gathered within its walls. It is the power of all they dreamed and all they have done. The church is a body. It is as vulnerable as the most newborn and untried of its members. It is ancient and it is ever new. The church is a story. It is the story of lives that are interwoven, brought together in this place and in this time for the simple purpose of caring for one another and helping one another along the arduous path from birth to death. The church is a vision. It is a vision of unity amid diversity, It is a vision of reverence for all of creation. It is a vision that beckons us beyond the corners of our own skins. In this silence that we make together, may we abide as one body in the spirit of faith and hope and love that is the story and is the vision of this church. The church is a body and we as diverse individuals make up the body of this church and covenant to nurture and support each other while transforming injustice into love and compassion. Right? It's just that simple. And we engage the world through these bodies, these tangible Flesh and bones, visible forms, are how we access and engage the world. These bodies within a beautiful range of abilities, talents, and gifts are the incarnation of our personalities, our values, our culture, and our beliefs. And these bodies are made up of about 60% water. this water thing, this river that we heard about earlier today. How we all really need to hydrate, especially as we all go to pride today. And during the summertime, especially these hot, hazy days of summer, we're especially aware of of the importance of water. And for many of us, maybe water is like one of the best parts of summer. Many go on vacation to the beach, take a cruise or boat on the ocean, or lake or relax by the pool, throw water balloons, or run through sprinklers. Or if you're not really a summer person, maybe this time of year you're just taking extra showers because it's so hot. And in my family growing up, Every summer we would spend a week at the beach in North Carolina. My grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, my parents and my sister and I would rent a house along the beach, well not right along the beach, but near the beach. And we'd spend the whole week together, and every day we were on the beach for like eight hours. And as I'm thinking about it, even now as I'm saying those words, I can feel those memories in my body. Floating over the waves of the ocean, riding the waves on my super cool Barbie boogie board, my mom slathering me with sunscreen like it felt like it was every hour, probably wasn't, but it felt like that. Combing the beach for seashells, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches seasoned with a little sand, (laughs) you know, that crunchy feeling. (laughs) Building sand castles and sand mermaids with my grandpa, collapsing on the beach blanket for a nap only to wake up and bolt for the water. And then I remember going to bed at night and I still felt like my body was in the water. My body retained that memory of floating and swimming probably still smelled like sunscreen and those feelings of the water rocked me to sleep. And as an adult, I still love the water in the summertime, might look a little bit different than it did when I was a kid, but what I love is the vastness of the ocean and the constancy of the waves and the tides and it reminds me of my connectedness to the earth. And as I look out into the ocean from the shoreline, I experience one of those lump-in-the-throat kind of moments. Maybe you know what I mean. It's that moment when we're reminded that we are one small piece in an infinite web of connection. One of those moments where it feels good to feel small. Connected to the earth, to my ancestors, to my companions on this journey, to my own body and this sense of spaciousness gives me hope and it brings me peace. I breathe in the salty air and I know that I belong. I belong just like every wave in the ocean belongs. I belong to this body and this body belongs to me and through this body I live out my values and my morals and my faith. Through this body, I am part of the body of my community and through this body, I am part of the we, of the body of this church. And as you know, or I think most of you know, considering you are the people who did ordain me into Unitarian Universalist ministry, I have covenanted in vows to bring the good news of Unitarian Universalism into the community. And through this body, I take our shared ministry to the patients and families and staff that I serve at hospice and community care. More specifically, as a hospice chaplain, I partner with patients as they access their values and morals, spirituality, and faith to help them cope with what's happening within their bodies as they journey towards the end of their lives. And when considering the different ways that we, as people of Unitarian Universalism or even beyond that, embody our values and our faith, I'm reminded of an amazing woman that I have gotten to know for the last few months, and I'd like to share part of her story with you, and I have gotten her permission. Um, I won't use her name, so we'll just call her Michelle. So Michelle was a lifelong swimmer, an environmental activist. She's now facing the end of her life. She is a powerful illustration of what it means to mindfully embody one's values, beliefs, and spirituality. And for the record, I know that I have learned the most about living from people who are dying, especially people like Michelle. Michelle was first diagnosed with breast cancer in 1995. Thanks to a phenomenal support system, Access to health care, deep spiritual work, some luck, and the tenacity of her spirit, she has lived a rich and meaningful life with cancer. And after 24 years of living with cancer, she's now facing the end of her life. And she calls it dying with cancer, not from it. And as a lifelong swimmer and environmental activist, the symbol of water has become an important metaphor for making sense and making meaning of her experience with cancer. While she can no longer swim or work, she uses water as a symbol and spiritual practice to help her cope and make her dying the best that it can be. And something particularly striking about Michelle for me is that she doesn't use war or fight language to talk about her cancer or her experience with cancer. She takes ownership of it and what's happening within her body. She doesn't see cancer as something that's happening to her but rather a process that belongs to her. Just like every wave in the ocean Every phase of her journey belongs to her. Every wave of pain, fear, sadness, and grief, every wave of joy and laughter and happiness, they all belong to her and they're supposed to be there. And this mindfulness practice that Michelle uses allows her to experience a loving presence. She calls that God And that experience of this loving presence, it creates more spaciousness within herself. So that with each wave of pain, in addition to prescribed medication, she says to herself, breathe. This belongs. It's not whether the pain arises or goes away, but how I relate to it. This practice of mindful embodiment provides Michelle with more space within herself to give energy to the things that she wants to give it to, like spending time with her family, writing letters, listening to music. She still bakes really great cookies. While I am Michelle's chaplain and partner on her journey, I am in awe of how she remains in relationship and attuned to her body. And I'm moved and inspired by her ability to transform her suffering into belonging. Deeper communication within herself, those she loves with God, with the world around her. And just for the past few weeks, she and I have been working together to deepen this practice And I'd like to share an excerpt of a poem that has been a sort of mantra for Michelle. The poem is entitled, A Felt Sense Prayer. And it has offered Michelle, and quite honestly, me, more insight into this embodied wisdom. And before I read it, I want to be really clear that this poem and Michelle's spiritual practice, it doesn't justify to her why this happened to her or is happening to her or why she has had to endure so much. But it helps her to be more mindful, contemplative, and open to the wisdom that is available to her. It helps her to feel whole. So hear these words. A felt sense prayer. I am the pain in your head, the knot in your stomach, the unspoken grief in your smile. I am your high blood sugar, your elevated blood pressure, your fear of challenge, your lack of trust. I am your hot flashes, your fragile low back, your agitation and your fatigue. You tend to disown me, suppress me, ignore me, inflate me, coddle me, condemn me. You usually want me to go away immediately, to disappear, to just slip back into obscurity. More times than not, I am only the most recent notes of a long symphony, the most evident branches of roots that have been challenged for seasons. So I implore you, I am a messenger with good news, as disturbing as I can be sometimes. I'm wanting to guide you back to those tender places within yourself, the places where you can hold yourself with compassion and honesty. I may ask you to alter your diet, get more sleep, exercise regularly, Breathe more consciously. I might encourage you to seek a vaster reality and worry less about the day to day fluctuations of life. I may ask you to explore the bounds and wounds of your relationships. But I'm your friend, not your enemy. I have no desire to bring pain and suffering into your life, I'm simply tugging at your sleeve too long, immune to gentle nudges. And so I ask myself, and all of us gathered here this morning, how do we embody our own pain? What is tugging at our sleeves so long, immune to gentle nudges? How do we embody the pain of each other? How do we embody and cope with the pain and suffering in our own lives, in each other's lives, in our country, and in this world? How do we embody Unitarian Universalism? And how do we embody wholeness? Reverend Scott Alexander says, that being a UU is much more than the opinions and the beliefs that you hold. It's about the way you live every day. Our tradition has always affirmed that our true religion is about deeds and not creeds. Maybe you've heard that along the way. UUs are fond of saying, don't tell me what you believe. Show me how you live. Embodying Unitarian Universalism seriously means that your beliefs and your principles and your values should be visibly present in your life. People around you should be able to see your religion in all the big and little ways, in what you say and do in relationships, in how you make decisions and solve problems how you invest in the institutions to which you give your time and your money, in the places and the people where you rest your hope, and the ways that you put your body on the line for the oppressed, and in the ways that you make time to renew and re-energize your spirit. Yes, there are times that the way that we embody this faith is overt and loud and out there, And that's important, but we also embody our faith in the everyday acts of goodness and justice, of gentleness, of forgiveness. When we interrupt a racist joke at the water cooler, when we are intentional about using less plastic, when we donate a few dollars to the Humane League, When we make eye contact with the mother at the grocery store whose kid is throwing a royal fit, we make eye contact with her and we smile and say, you know what, it's all right. You're doing a great job. (laughs) It's when we volunteer, when we offer a shoulder to cry on and when we lend a helping hand because the church is a body and may this body breathe and be together in the spirit of hope. May it be held by comfort. Those who seek consolation may find it in the solace of this moment. Because the church is a body, it is as strong as all the people who have ever gathered within these walls. It is the power of all that they dreamed and all that they have done. The church is a body. It is as vulnerable as the most newborn and untried of its members. It is ancient and ever new. The church is a story. It is the story of lives that are interwoven, brought together in this place and this time for the simple task of taking care of one another and helping one another along this arduous path from life to death. The church is a vision It is a vision of unity amid diversity. It is a vision of reverence for all of its creation. It is a vision that beckons us beyond the concerns of our own skins. And so again, I ask, how do you embody this soul-saving faith of Unitarian Universalism? May all of us ever grow into this great task and lend one another a helping hand or a shoulder to cry on as we seek and nurture and serve this world. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you'd like a copy of the transcript of this sermon, you can find most week's messages at www.uuberks.org slash sermons. If you have any thoughts or conversation about today's message, we hope you'll take a moment to stop by our Facebook page and share them. And from all of us at First UU Brooks, may this chalice light your path and guide your way until you join us again.